Uh, so Matt asked me to speak about the, this prophetic word about pregnancy. And um, it's a bit funny, really, because I've got three children, but I've never been pregnant. And even one of my kids was like, why would he do that? You can't even make babies. I was like, thank you for your sensitivity there. That's appreciated, <laughs> stating the obvious. Um, and so I am talking about pregnancy, and I understand that it can be a really emotive subject and could be painful for some of you. And I think I've been reminded recently that God doesn't open our wounds to pour acid into them, does he? He opens our wounds to speak life and healing into them. So that's my prayer for you in this time. So, no, I have never been physically pregnant, but there is a sense of pregnancy about me at the moment because, you see, it seems that there's an eight-year-old boy not growing in my belly but in my heart, and it's something that John and I have been talking about for four or five years, praying, waiting, hoping that maybe we would get to do this again. And so um, I have this sense of pregnancy about me, and um, I felt God growing and stretching me over the years in preparation. It's been uncomfortable and painful at times, and and we have this one picture that we've seen of this eight-year-old boy, and I keep staring at it like you might look at a, a scan picture, trying to imagine what he's like, as if this one thing can tell you everything you need to know about a child. Um, and so I, I kind of dream about what he's going to be like and how it's going to feel and what's going to make him tick and, and what his vulnerability vulnerabilities would be and just the opportunity to speak gospel truth and life and healing into them and and the fact that we're going to get to introduce him to our wonderful savior and just get to share the gospel with him so it's exciting and I'm feeling this kind of nesting urge about me I want to get everything ready and I'm so aware there's practical stuff but there's like my heart too that needs a lot of preparation so I want to decorate a bedroom I want to make sure there's a shoe tub for him when he comes in like there is for everyone else we need a seventh seat at the dining table and I want to make sure that there's a space for that I'm thinking how am I going to ed home educate two boys instead of one and um, I'm thinking what are the dynamics going to be like for us as a family how will he get on with us how will we get on with him so you can see there is just so much kind of going on in this sense of preparation and we're praying a lot for for him for me for us so there's a lot happening in this not actually pregnant pregnancy and so it can feel a little bit daunting and overwhelming, but then when I stop to consider the big picture of what we're actually hoping to do, my heart just swells with anticipation and faith and this lioness kind of roar. It's a bit annoying for me too. <laughs> it's annoying for all of you. <laughs> I can hear this rustling, trying to filter it out. Um, and so why do I feel that kind of maternal instinct kicking in? Well, it's because adoption is just one of the most powerful and beautiful things I know. When you adopt a child, you take them into your family. Okay. As in this is off and I just ignore it. Got it. Okay. So when you adopt, you take a child into your family and it is this covenant relationship. It's like you are mine. I am claiming you. I'm going to give you my name. I call you my own. You might not have grown in here, but it's just as if you did. I claim you. You are my 
person. And just as Rich has said, Rich and I only told each other what we were talking about the other night. But what I've written here is, isn't that the deepest longing of our heart to find our home in God, to find our place where we belong? And I hope that you understand, as Rich has been saying, we're an adoptive people, aren't we? We know what it is to be adopted into God's family, to have him as our adoptive father. He's claimed you as his own. The Bible says your name is written on the palm of his hands. In Isaiah 43, it says, fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. It's powerful. And the longing of my heart to adopt, I'm, I'm like that guy in Hacksaw Ridge, just one more, Lord, just one more, if you've seen that film. Um, that, that cry of my heart, let me just bring one more into family. And I had to say to my mother-in-law, the poor woman, I keep saying, I can't promise it's going to be the last because there's this thing in me. Just one more, just one more. That is the faintest echo, isn't it, of God's heart for adoption. His cry rings out throughout the earth. He longs that all people should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus cried out over Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? God's arms and his heart are wide open. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His adoptive family is constantly growing. And so we're a people who know what it is to be grafted into the family, to be knitted together, not by blood and genetics, but knitted together in the heart of God. And so here I am, as Richard said, an adoptive daughter, but also adoptive pregnant with a child who needs a forever family. And you know something? God said, I'm not the only one. Together, God has spoken over us that we are a pregnant people and we're an adoptive pregnant people. So we've been part of Gateway Church for about 12 years now, and it's grown loads. Lots of you weren't a part of the church 12 years when we came. But from what I have seen, a lot of our growth has been people who are already part of God's family joining us. They've moved into the area for work or retirement or as a student or maybe moved from another local church. So just out of interest, like give me a wave if you were already a believer when you got knitted into this family. Look around. That's a lot of us isn't it? And that, I mean, that's great. And I think we're good at welcoming people in. Like, we wouldn't have all stuck around if we were rubbish at it, would we? So that is a real strength for us as a church. And then we've seen ones and twos here and there saved. And I mean, we love it every single time. We love one person getting saved. So wave at me if you feel like you were saved into this family. Give me a wave. Isn't that amazing? Look around at these guys. Yeah. Yay! What, what a privilege. It's been our absolute joy to walk alongside you and see you come to know Jesus. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just kind of long for a bit more. Do you ever, it's like hearing someone else is pregnant when you're not, and you're like, I am, I am really happy for you. 
but I'm a bit sad for me. And when you hear other churches and they're talking about these multiple salvations that are happening and all these people are baptizing, you're like, I'm so happy for you, but I also want that for us. Just as we love babies being born into the church or kids joining our family through adoption, we love new life happening among us. I am my best friend in London. We joked that by the time she'd had so many babies, she'd be fine with me being at the birth of one of them because obviously I was not going to experience that myself. And then when we were going to move down here, she was just about to give birth to her third child. So she said I could go. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I literally stood like right there and watched this baby. It was a bizarre thing. You're like, I'm, I'm looking at my best friend's privates. But at the same time, this just new life is coming into the world. And I was absolutely buzzing. Talk about an adrenaline high. It was incredible. And I've had the privilege of sitting alongside people as they've been born into God's family. And I mean, wow, isn't that, if you've had that privilege too, there's like almost nothing else like it. It's utterly incredible. And, and we long for more of that, don't we? And so, I'm excited because God has spoken really specifically over us that we're a pregnant people, that spiritual babies are headed our way. And I think it's not just the ones and twos that we've seen here and there over the years. I think it's more. I think it's families and I think it's communities and I think it's regular and I'm excited about that. Yeah? Good. So... <laughs> But I also think, I just wanted to be honest, it might stir up a range of feelings for you. So I don't know if any of you are older siblings who can remember a parent sitting you down and telling you there was a baby on the way. Um, I was five when my youngest brother was born and a lot of my first memories are of my mum coming home from the hospital in the first few days with him. And I had two brothers already, so I had really, really, really been hoping for a sister. And I remember saying to my mum, the poor woman had probably just got back from giving birth to a fourth child, and she's changing his nappy, and there's me. And I said to her, would it be okay, just for a little while, if I pretend he's a girl? And I thought that I could call him Roberta instead of Robert. And I was actually genuinely surprised when my mum was gently but very unequivocally no <laughs> that is not going to be okay you cannot do that to my new baby but I did still dress him up in my leotards and there's photographic evidence of that so I did try and treat him a bit like a sister so there we go and so as we talk about being pregnant I reckon there could be a range of responses in the room you might be excited you might feel a bit nervous because you find change difficult. You might feel a bit like, yeah, I've heard it before and I've prayed and longed for it for so long and I'm just not sure it's actually going to happen. Or you might feel it intangible. Some, I feel I see this in some husbands that are like, until the baby's actually physically present, I can't quite engage with this whole process. So you might feel a bit like that. And I think it's really helpful just to quickly pause and notice how does this news that we're pregnant feel to us. It's quite helpful, I think, to just have a look in the crevices of our heart and see what's tucked in there. But not just to know, we need to then bring that out and hold that before God and allow him to line that up with his word and his ways, don't we? 
So however we might currently feel, this is a God-ordained pregnancy. It is happening. He's spoken this wonderful thing over us. And we've got a choice about how we respond. It makes me think of um, Zechariah and Mary, both met by an angel, both told they're going to have a baby. Zechariah is an old guy. He's married, he's got a house, he's got finances, and he has longed for a baby for years. This was everything he wanted. It was probably the deepest longing of his heart. And yet he doubted. And then you've got Mary, who's a kind of legally engaged teenager who doesn't have a house, who is not wanting to have a baby right now. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as he has said. And so saying yes was costly for her. It meant she could be divorced or ostracized from her community or even stoned to death. And so faith is this willingly walking into the somewhat unknown, trusting that God is there, that he's already there before us, that he comes behind us in it. So while we're away here together, I was thinking this feels a little bit maternity leave-like. We're kind of having fun. We're enjoying our family as it currently is. We're just kind of savoring who we are now, but we're also anticipating what's, what's coming, what's, what's happening to us, and we're getting excited and thinking about things, preparing, and, and it isn't the building. So just to be very clear, in case you missed it, we're not pregnant with a building, are we? That's just like the bigger car you need to buy to get another car seat in. We're pregnant with people. We're not pregnant with a building. And so our adoptive family is expanding. And just as pregnancy gives us time to prepare our hearts and our homes, I feel like that's what we're doing here. And something, I mean, this is maybe repetitive of what Rich was saying, but just for us to keep in mind with these new adoptive siblings coming in, for those who come to faith, whether it's as an eight-year-old who is being brought to church by a grandparent, or whether it's a student or a young person or a 40-year-old mum who's been on Alpha or along to a Truth Be Told group, or whether it's an older person who's come in through the Golden Generations community, these people who are coming in have lived a life in the world outside of God, haven't they? And they've had to live with everything that we do, the kind of the pain and the confusion and the sickness and the disappointments and the relational breakdown. And they've had to do all of that without God, without that kind of biblical worldview, without the kind of encouragement and hope of the Bible, without the security of being rooted as a child of God, without the hope of eternity with Jesus. They've lived as spiritual orphans. And so as they're adopted into God as sons and daughters, Jesus calls us to the great privilege of welcoming them in as our brothers and sisters and helping them become disciples who learn his ways and his heart and live in the fullness and freedom of his truth. So as a new child joins our family, we want him to feel welcomed and safe and secure and accepted. We want to quickly show him our ways and our family rhythms and our values that guide what we say and do. We want him to find his place and kind of become a clerk and take on our likeness, which means there'll be another person with John's jokes roaming around here maybe <laughs> in a year to come. Or, or another person like Stace rolling their eyes. <laughs> John's jokes, we'll see. 
And we want mostly to bring him to Jesus, who's going to do all of that stuff much better and more enduringly than we can. And so I, I want to ask you, do you feel that way about the people around us who don't yet belong to God's family? Those that just turn up at one of our gatherings or in your workplace. I'd love God to be stirring in all of us this sense of adoptive anticipation. And I'm, I'm so aware that loads of us are great at this. You've been doing it day in, day out for years. It's who you are. It's in your DNA. It's what you do. And I want to thank you for being an example. I've watched and I've learned from you. So thank you for your example. And I just thought it'd be helpful at the end, just by kind of way of reminder or just to help us all get into this mindset, just to talk about just a really few practical things kind of thrown out there as ideas. These aren't all of them, but this is just a few nuggets to help us get to thinking this way. So a few kind of practical organizing our home things first. When you're somewhere new, you feel conspicuous, don't you? Try and think back to walking into a new context and you're like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's about to happen, and I don't know what's expected of me. And that's how people feel when they come in among us. So we need to remember, we're inside the family, we're the ones who have that sense of belonging, and we need to help them find their way in. So do you have a newcomer radar? Do, do you at church? Oh, there's a new person, I don't recognize them. How are you at starting up conversation with people? I was utterly rubbish at this. John and I, when we first got married, is in a church of 300 people, and I was like, everyone else can do it, because I'm obviously not good at it. Then we moved to a church of 40 people where there wasn't really anyone our kind of age and stage, and I thought, cripes, I'm going to have to get over my fear pretty quick if I, if I want this church to grow and some friends. And so I just started doing it, and it became more comfortable. So if you're like, that's not me, just start doing it. It will feel clunky, but you will get better and better at it the more you do it. Another thought is perhaps, I don't know what time in your head you think you need to be at church, but because John's always been at church an hour and a half before it starts, I've often been at church very early. But we need to be there a bit early so that we can chat to someone who's on their own or help them get their kids signed into kids work. And so just being there 10 minutes early that you're there ready, because if you were having people over to your house, you wouldn't arrive after they arrived, you'd be there and you'd just set it up. And so let's all of us just feel that sense of like, I'm going to be here ready to welcome you into my home to help you feel comfortable. Also, really practical, people need to see that there's a space for them. So let's try and fill up just from the front and the middle because you want to be inconspicuous when you walk in somewhere. And if a steward needs to take you and walk you up and down the sides and kind of mm, struggle to find you a seat, does that say, welcome, we've got a space for you? Or does that maybe send a message it's a bit inconvenient you're here, actually, because now I'm going to have to find you a chair. So just come in. If you need to get up to go to the loo, you're allowed to sit on the end of the row. It's all right. But try and just come in and fill up from the front and middle just so there's space. And then we need to explain things in our gatherings, whether we're leading worship, hosting, whether we're speaking from the Bible in, in kids, in youth, in life group, in Sunday. We need to just keep in mind people might never have opened the Bible, or they might not know anything about God at all. So just taking 
30 seconds here and there just to offer quick explanations, I think is really helpful. I was on youth this last Sunday and I just knew there were a couple of people there who wouldn't know their way around the Bible. And just explaining, right, we're trying to find the book of Esther. The book is, the Bible's actually full of lots of books. And see these big numbers, they're the chapters. And then those little numbers are the verses. So when we say Esther 2 verse 1, you find the book of Esther, look for your big number, then find your little number. And it's just stuff like that, that it, what it's communicating is we don't expect you to know this stuff. You're not stupid if you don't know how to find a book in the Bible. We don't expect you to know that. But we're happy to walk alongside you and show you and make you feel comfortable. So now, just a few bigger heart things for us to prepare. Uh, raising kids is intensive work, isn't it? All the young families here, none of you would be like, oh, yeah, it's well easy. I'm not tired at all. We like, <laughs> can't just leave kids to raise themselves, can you? You have to watch them and walk alongside them and teach them how to behave. You teach them your ways and God's ways. And so we need to expect that, that we see people saved. And then we need to parent or brother and sister to bring them up. In God, not just leave them to crack on. Uh, we're also going to need to make space for new friendships. People coming to faith are going to need some believing friends, and not just the friendly face on a Sunday, but those really deep, authentic, let's walk together with Jesus together. And I know we can be pretty busy, but say when you're going out for a drink with someone, inviting someone else into that or kind of bringing people into things that you're already doing and just thinking you're going to need a friend and I'll be a friend to you would be great. What else? They're going to need help to get into God's word. They're going to need to learn how do we read this and understand it. They'll need time to talk about what it says and probably to talk a lot about the bits that wrestle with our culture, they need to kind of learn how to sit under it and see God's big story in it. And there's going to be work for us to do in helping them throw off some of the idols and false gods that they've worshipped. Our hearts were made to worship. So anyone who comes to us, they will have been worshipping something and they're going to need to learn to let go of that as they worship God instead. And they'll have listened to so many lies over the years as well. And so we need to help them to find their identity in God. We're going to need to run a Freedom in Christ courses. And we're going to need to develop our skills, I think, at prayerfully ministering to people's hearts and their hurts to help them and bring them into that freedom and life that Jesus has won for them. And, and we need to be ready to walk the long road with people. Some people just seem to glide right across the line of faith and they find their place in their family and they just hit the road running and off they go. And others find it hard and we just need to come alongside and support them and walk it step by step with them. So in summary, Gateway, we're pregnant. Yay! It's a long-awaited pregnancy. It's what we've wanted and prayed and longed for to happen. So let's receive it with thanks and this sense of excitement and joyful anticipation. And let's do this together as a family. Let's be the best adoptive brothers and sisters or spiritual mothers and fathers there are and help one another and these newcomers to find our home and belonging in God. Amen? Amen.